turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Man thinks you can excommunicate God from our schools, from our marriages, and somehow our lives are still going to be fine without Him? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. All right, well, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I entitled this message, To Change. You know, people in life are prone to change. You know, we seem to like it. Yet, at the same time, there are other areas in life, well, we don't really want to change. Why is that? Because, well, we're creatures of habit. Like for me, I don't need all your multicolored toothpaste with all the fancy speckles in it. I'm good with just plain old white toothpaste, whatever, okay? I eat the same cereal every single morning. Same thing. Why? Because I just got used to it. I'm a creature of habit. I eat it in and out all the time. You know, double-doubles, three-by-threes, animal style. I'm good with it. It's just like it's all right with me. And if I want to eat healthy, I eat El Pollo Loco. I just like their chicken, you know. I do the crazy chicken. It's like what, it's what you do. Yet with all that said, there's still room for change in my life. But face it, not all change is good. You know, change, according to the dictionary, has, well, many definitions. It's to substitute or transfer. It's to exchange or switch. As a verb, it means to become different, to alter or vary. It's to pass from, well, one phase to another. And that's what we like. We like that kind of change, to become different. To move on into another phase. Us guys, we like change in, well, what we drive. We like new cars that have, well, more horsepower. We like to change new cars, at least I do. We like to change their stance. If it's a car, we want to lower it. If it's a truck, we want to raise it. We want to change the wheels and tires. It's just what we do. But yet, you women, you're notorious for change, too, especially in the looks department. It amazes me how you girls can have it totally going on, like you're just an attractive woman, you got it all going on, but guess what? You wake up one day, and for no apparent reason, you think it all needs to change. Everything needs to change, and you head out for what us guys call an overhaul. You call it a makeover. Okay, whatever, okay? You say tomato, I say tomato, whatever it is. First, you change your hair, the color, the style. You cut it. Everything changes. Then it's off to the mat counter or Sephora, which is a Disneyland of makeup counters. Then you look in your closet, and you decide that your entire wardrobe is completely hopeless, okay? Yes, we all like change, and sometimes one change can transform an entire life. Consider 
Cinderella. It was just one glass slipper that changed the end of her story to they lived happily ever after. Well, we're going to look into 1 Corinthians 2, and we're going to consider three different points in light of our title to change. So let's look at our first point here, changing our speech. As we start reading here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, of course, we'll pick up, well, in verse 1. It says, And when I came to you, brother, this is the Apostle Paul, of course. When I came to you, brother, and I did not come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. I didn't come, you know, over and abounding with all these big fancy words. He says, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. We have to remember, you know, who Paul is talking to. So whenever you're reading something like, well, who is the person talking to and all of that? Now, of course, we know that Corinth was a seaport. And in a seaport city, you have a lot of people coming in and out. There's merchandise being exchanged. There's goods being transferred. And so people are coming from all over different parts of the world, all to do what? To trade their goods. So you have people away from home. So therefore, prostitution was huge in this city. You know, drinking and partying was huge in the city because you have people away from home, away from mama, away from the kids, and all of a sudden they are getting in trouble and what have you. So you have a city that's filled with a lot of sin. Just like, well, Los Angeles here that we live in. So he's speaking to people that are very much like you and me in a place, in a city that's filled with a lot of sin. So notice in verse 1 and 2, Paul states that he did not come to them in superiority of speech, but rather he came determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, Understand, the Apostle Paul had come a long way in his walk with the Lord, because this is not the same man who we first encountered a long time ago when his name first came up in the book of Acts. See, because when he first encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus, you know, he was just like any other garden variety heathen, because that's what he was acting like. He was trying to wipe out Christianity. And anyone who came into a relationship with Jesus, he was against them. And so he had a life-altering confrontation with the Lord as the Lord knocked him off of his horse. And he was blinded as he fell to the ground. And it became a life-changing day that day. Now, I can only speak for myself, but when Jesus came into my life, he changed the entire course in direction of my life. Now, he started on the inside, and he was working to the outside. So if you would have been around me in that first few months when I gave my life to Christ, 
you wouldn't have saw a lot of change with me on the outside in the first couple of months. I remember my feeble attempts of witnessing. I would try to talk about Jesus, but I was kind of embarrassed about it, not really sure, trying to say things about it. And I remember how I would fail so miserably at the beginning. I had just started working in construction, uh, and I was on this one job down in Newport Beach, and it was uh, we were replacing hallways that had carpet in them in a convalescent hospital and they were putting tile down instead so it had to be done at night so we were working like all night long so you would take your lunch at like midnight and so we were taking lunch and we were going down to Newport Beach down to the you know actual you know the beach right there and so I was working with a bunch of pot smoking druggies and everything and so I remember they felt so convicted by me so they they had to get me in on their whole thing so they're like hey man you want to smoke a joint I'm like no no man I gave that up so instead of me saying I gave it up because I gave my life to Christ I'm just kind of like well I gave that up well here just have a you know have a toke I was like no no I don't want to have a toke and I was like no no come on man hey bro come on man and they were just all over me. So I remember this one night, I'm like, all right. So I took one hit off their joint. And all of a sudden, they're like, boom, that's it. They didn't care anymore. You're not having any more, whatever. Because they just wanted to get me to do the same thing they did so that I couldn't rat them out to the boss where he was smoking dope with us. I took one hit, but that didn't matter. I did it. And I remember how convicted I was. Like, why did I do that? It's like, I didn't even want it. But, you know, it's like that peer pressure. It builds up. I'm 18 years old, and I'm just like, I just fell under the pressure. And I was like, that will never happen again. And guess what? It never did. (laughs) That was the last time. And I mean, it never happened again. But you hate when you fail like that. You hate when, you know, it's like, man, the Lord's starting to do something in your life. And it's like three steps forward, and then boom, you know, four steps back. And I'm like, ah, you know, so I kind of had to start the whole witness thing again. But every time that I massively failed, I always always came back and said, you know what? I am not going to do that again. I remember walking away from situations where God was obviously opening a door for me to share Christ and I didn't go through. And I remember I would leave and just feel like, oh Lord, I've just failed you so miserably. All these little meltdowns that happened in the first couple months of me knowing the Lord. And I'm like, that will never happen again. Because I'm just like, I can't believe it. I denied the Lord. Oh, I'm not going to go to heaven. No, of course I was going to go to heaven. But it's like, I learned from those things in those first couple months. I remember this one guy, he was telling me at work, he goes, hey, so someone told me that you gave your life to Christ. I said, yes, I did. And they said, so do you read your Bible? Because obviously it doesn't look like you read your Bible because I was still having some pretty bad language come out of my mouth. And I'm like going, I don't have a Bible. And he goes, you don't have a Bible? You come to my house after work today. And I did. I went to his house and him and his wife, this is back when they had Christian bookstores. This is back in like 1977. And so we went to a Christian bookstore. He bought me the most expensive study Bible they had. Leather put my name on it. And it's like that was the change of my life. Because for some reason, having that Bible with my name on it, I started reading that thing every single day. And his word got inside of me and it completely transformed me. Yes. I was a work in progress, you could say, and I still am today. But let me ask you, have you allowed God to work 
in your life? Have you allowed him to start changing you? I remember in those early months, it was radical change. That has to stop. Put the bong away. Stop drinking. Stop cussing. I mean, it was just like, I just felt like everything was getting ripped out of me. But it's kind of like that little analogy that's been used in times past where you give your life to Christ. It's like him coming into a house and he comes inside of you and he, you know, comes in the entryway and he says, you know, this entryway floor is all scratched up. Yeah, it's a little scratched up. And he walks into your family room. It's like, hey, did you know that like orange shag carpet went out in the 60s? You know, it's like, oh, no. It's like, and what about this velvet wallpaper? You know, that's out. And so all of a sudden, you've allowed the Lord to come in your house, and he's tearing out your entry floor. He's pulling your shag carpet that you got used to out. He's peeling the wallpaper off the walls, and he's just tossing it out in the front yard. And you're just thinking like, man, what's going on with my life here? I gave my life to Christ, and he's ripping this out, and ripping that out and everything's changing then all of a sudden you see this moving van pull up in front of your driveway and it's father and son's moving company and then all of a sudden these angels come out from driving and they open the back door and they put in a brand new slate floor in your entryway they put in this killer berber carpet in your family room and all of a sudden man they they put in this killer wallpaper and all of a sudden you're like hey this is looking pretty good And you realize that as God's working in your life, he's only ripping things out to replace it with something so much better. That's how God works in our life. But the question is, are you allowing him that space to rip things out? Because before he can build something new, a lot of times you got to tear down the old to bring in to the, the, all the new in your life. Yes, have you allowed him to do that? But getting back to Paul, he allowed God to change him. And that's why he was able to say what we just read. Let's look back for a moment on how Paul started. This will give us a little more insight on how far he has come. Listen to his own words here in Philippians 3, 5. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel. He's bragging here of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, I was found blameless by all my contemporaries. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And I count them as rubbish. I read out of the New American Standard because it's real, it's just a much better translation from the original Hebrew and Greek scriptures. But the King James actually has a better translation of that word. The New American Standard uses the word rubbish. The King James Bible uses the word dung. That's what it was. I count all those things as dung in order that I may gain Christ. Yes, Paul had quite the resume, you could say, from his life, from the youth. It was lived by the letter of the law. He was of the tribe of Benjamin that was one of the most elite out of the 12 tribes of Israel. He considered himself a Hebrew of Hebrews, meaning he lived it. He was a Pharisee, the highest religious sect of the day. That just meant he was a proud and lost legalistic man. According to him, his righteousness was blameless. 
You know, the Pharisees, they, they lived a life of outward works. They wanted it to be seen of men, to justify themselves before God. Now, was Paul blameless? Absolutely not. Of course not. No man is blameless. You know, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, obviously, some sin a little worse than others, but we've all sinned and have fallen short. But look at how God used Paul, for he went on to seize his moment in life. He was able to do great things, not in his strength, but in God's. And God never asks us to do anything that he will not adequately equip us with the ability to do those things. So we can say, it's like, well, look, I can do all things through Christ. That's right, because it's him that does it within us. But Paul, even though he worked for a living sewing tents, he seized his moment as he preached the gospel to all that came in contact with him. Paul seized his moment as he discipled countless men and women in their walk with Jesus. Paul seized the moment as he started multiple churches and allowed the Holy Spirit of God to inspire him to write one half of the New Testament that we hold in our hands today. Paul seized the moment. I mean, he was a dog. He was a persecutor of the church. But yet once he came to know Christ, he allowed that change to happen in him. And therefore, he started seizing the moment that God gave him. The thing is, we all have a moment to seize. Every one of us has a moment to seize. There's opportunities that are before every single one of us. With Paul, it was less of me and more of Christ. His prize was to please God. His model in life, you could say, was found in Philippians 1.21, where he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Wow. Paul could, he could care less if he impressed anyone. This letter was written in approximately 55 AD. That means that Paul had been preaching the gospel now for over two decades at this point. Yes, Paul used all of his wisdom and his intellect when he was preaching to his fellow Jew. Yet now, Paul is preaching mostly to Gentiles, non-Jews. And what does he preach? Jesus Christ and him crucified. That doesn't mean that Paul didn't use his great knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures to minister. And it certainly doesn't mean that we shouldn't know and study our Bibles that we would be a better vessel to be used because we have a little more knowledge. But Paul wanted to make sure that people's faith was firmly founded in Christ. That's why Paul said in verse 5 that he didn't want people's faith to rest on the wisdom of men, but rather on the power of God. That's why Paul changed his speech. I wonder if there are any here that need a change in speech, a change to speak what God desires us to speak to a lost world that's surrounded by the darkness that this pandemic has brought upon us. But maybe God has to work on your speech, maybe not because you use bad language, but maybe because you don't speak at all. You don't speak of the things of God, and God wants to change that in your life. He wants you to be confident in speaking of him. You know, I've just gotten to the point where I've realized, like, when someone asks me to do a wedding, I'll say, well, you know, if you ask me to do the wedding, 
a couple things are going to happen. One, I'm going to joke around. Okay, we're going to have some fun. And number two, I'm going to preach the gospel. Now, some people are like, well, you know, Pastor, we don't want you to get too preachy. You know, we have a lot of non-believers in our family. Then I'm not your guy. Because if I do this wedding, I'm going to preach the gospel at the wedding. And it's like, and if you don't want that, that's fine. I don't need to do the wedding because, look, that's taking up my Saturday. Okay, so if I'm going to do it, I'm going to preach the gospel. If you're going to have me preach at a funeral, I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach the hope that is in the scripture, and I'm going to preach the gospel. And it's like, I've just decided wherever I go, I'm going to make sure I preach the gospel. God wants to change us from the inside out. He wants to do something where we seize our opportunity like Paul did. So again, with Paul, it was for him to live as Christ and to die was gain. Which brings up our second point, changing our thinking. Let's pick up and read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, picking up in verse 6. He says, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away. That's right. Everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to pass away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Wow, God has a lot prepared for us. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Yes, the wisdom of man is so limited, man thinks that he has that all figured out. Man thinks that he can excommunicate God from our government. Man thinks you can excommunicate God from our schools, that you can excommunicate God from our marriages, and somehow our lives are still going to be fine without him. No, that's not what happens. Everything falls apart without God. Consider how far our country has fallen. America has lost its way. As we move farther and farther from the ordinances that God has established in us in his word for us to live by. Our country is facing many problems today. We've got a pandemic that is out of control that no one seems to be able to figure it out. We've got civil unrest. We have corruption in our government. Yet I wonder how many of our issues really stem back to our abandonment of God and the principles of his word. I think all of our problems stem back to that. Remember, our country was founded on faith in God and the principles of the Bible. It was our sixth president, John Quincy Adams. He said, the first and almost the only book deserving of universal attention is the Bible. That's why 100 years ago, they used the Bible in schools to teach children how to read. They used the Bible for everything. Our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, said this quote, All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated through this book, 
the Bible. He says, but for the Bible, we could not know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it, end quote. Listen to what God said in Deuteronomy 28. It's 68 verses long. It's a pretty long chapter, Deuteronomy 28. And in the first 14 verses, he says, boy, if you do what I tell you to do, you go where I tell you to go, you follow my word and my commandments and my statutes, you'll be blessed when you go in, blessed when you come out, you'll be blessed everywhere you go. But then he picks up in verse 15, and he carries on for the rest of the chapter, 54 verses. And he says this, but if you do not do what I tell you in my word, if you do not stand by my statutes and the things that I have written, then you will be cursed in everything you do. United States made a turn, and once we started getting away from God's word and doing what he said, then cursing will be upon us. It's happened to every single nation that's ever survived under the sun. So we're no different than any other nation. God said in Isaiah 44, 24, he said, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb, I, the Lord, am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading out the earth all alone. God says, I'm your redeemer. I'm the one that formed you in the womb. Maybe, just maybe we should listen to what he has to say for us. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034.